screaming and everything else, and that's all right, because we're not much better, right? We, we, we kind of kick and cry and scream ourselves every now and then, uh, but that's all right. So this morning, um, we're thankful, and, and Bethany took an opportunity to plug women's groups. I'm going to plug men's group, right? Because we, we have a really awesome time this last Monday. We actually, one of our leaders took us on a tour of the docks, or of the locks over here, right? So, uh, you know, we, we went over and uh, had, a, had a great spiritual moment there on the locks and uh, saw some boats go through and saw some really cool stuff, and so we're thankful for that. But uh, we're actually studying the book of Matthew uh, in, in men's group, and uh, Chris and Dwight do a good job of leading us through that and uh, helping us break down the word and learn the word. So we want you to come out on Mondays for men's group too, right? If, you're, if the wife's already coming, right? You guys, you guys should go ahead and come to men's group as well. So um, we're thankful for that. We want to plug our 356. Got a lot of teens here. Um, at 5 o'clock on Sunday evenings is our youth uh, that we call 356 out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, and how important that scripture is over our teenagers' lives. Uh, so we encourage you to come out, be a part of that um, as well. Uh, thankful for our visitors this morning. Wow. You know, what a, what a morning. Some of you who are back for the second or third time and some of you who are here for the first time um, this morning, we're glad you're here. Uh, glad that many of you are bringing your families with you and how exciting that is um, for us because uh, church should be a family thing and we're thankful um, for that. So um, there is a lot of places and a lot of opportunities uh, for you to be involved and for you to become active um, within the church. Our kids program is growing, as you can see. After they leave, you know, they're, they're a chunk of what was sitting out here. Um, so we're actually converting our office into a fourth uh, kids' room uh, where we're going to be separating out um, our pre-K um, and toddlers uh, into their own room and this and that and the other, which means we need more teachers and we need more people responsible for that. So if you are, if you are here and you are interested and hungry uh, in helping, we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of places uh, for you to get involved in a lot of places for um, you to help. No one's, uh, no one's center stage all the time here. As you can see, a different leader comes and opens us each week, and, and um, you know we, we do our very best to get everyone involved in any way. And as, as some of these guys will tell you, don't let me know you have a talent because I'm going to push you right into that talent. Amen? Because I believe we should use what God's given us for the glory for the glory of the kingdom. Amen. So we're just glad you're here. If you're here and you just want to rest, uh, maybe you need to heal. Uh, maybe you just want to receive what God has for you. You're not going to get pushed into anything. We want you to rest and we want you to heal and we want you to receive what God has for you. Uh, but if you're here and you want to step in to ministry in, in some realm or another, we're happy to help you um, on that journey as well. So we, we just want you to be happy um, with what God is doing in your life, and we want to be a help to you with that. So all of that said, are you ready for this? For those of you visiting, um, we God has led us into, after a series of other uh, sermon series, God has led us into a thing where we're studying the seven churches of Revelation. Amen. And, you know, one of, the, one of the prayers that I had as God was leading me into this is, this is some tough stuff, right? There's going to be some tough moments in this. 
And, and one of my prayers was, you know, God, what happens if, if you know, we get visitors? Because, man, I don't want them to think that, that this is the kind of stuff we do every week, right? Um, but, and, and what do you know? You know, the first time we addressed one of the churches this morning, last week was an introduction. This week, this week we're actually getting into the church at Ephesus, and, and it's some tough stuff, right? Because it's going to challenge you. Uh, it's going to challenge, it challenges me and it challenges all of us to, to understand what God is expecting of not only the church, but of, of us uh, as members of the church, right? As part of that vine, what we're meant and what we're called to be uh, as part of the church. And, and I think it's important. Uh, and if you have questions, uh, understand now we're, we're not going to get into all of the, the depths of prophecy. We have no uh, inclination. Now, God could change my mind, but there's no inclination to go further in Revelations. But we're just really going to focus on the seven churches, because if there was ever a time for us to, to know what God expects and to hear what God expects, it's now. And so we, we titled the series, As God Led Us, Finding Peace, the Seven Churches of Revelation, Right? A lot of you will, will hear that, finding peace. How in the world can we find peace in Revelation? Well, we don't find peace in Revelation. We find peace in Jesus Christ. Amen? And it's important that we understand that. And it's important that, that we grab hold of that because everything that, that is applied to us through the seven churches, it, it is important and imperative that we are focused on who Jesus is and what Jesus is and how Jesus came to make preparation for us in all of these things and in all of these ways. And what we find is the seven churches are addressed because they, in one way or another, lost sight of everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus is meant to be in our lives. Amen? So, so what we're going to do is we're going to find peace in understanding all that Jesus is and all that the church is intended to be. Amen? The church should be a place of peace. And there were some of us talking. We, we did a work party yesterday, so I might not be running around as much as usual because my back's pretty sore. But, but we, we had a work party yesterday, and we were here for about 12 hours. And, and we were building, and we were working, and we were cleaning, and we were painting, and, and, and we were doing all manner of things. And when we got done, we were exhausted. But we, many of us just kind of sat down and just talked, just hung out. And there was even a stage where, where we were just sitting there, not saying a word, but we were just kind of sitting there enjoying the peace and enjoying the quiet. And, and several have commented, and it wasn't just a group of us last night, but, but this has happened throughout our time here, and we've, we've been working to make things better little by little in this place and, and more presentable and, and whatnot, because this was a factory, right? When, when we bought it, there was, was a factory. There were great big cinder block walls that divided in the middle, and we tore all of that out, tore all that down, and, and, and got it. And, and we're slowly in the process of, of making it more li look more like a, uh, a church. But and then we also love the fact that it's a multi-purpose facility. These chairs can be stacked, and our 356ers are in here playing games and different stuff like that. We can have dinners and blah, blah, blah. But what we have all found and what has been commented on several times is there's just a peace in this place. There's just a peace here. And, and many times we come into this place 
whether it's for service, whether it's for a work day, whether it's for men's group. And the next thing you know, I don't know how many times Bethany's gotten mad at me and Wally because we just sit and, and talk and enjoy one another's company until 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And, and everything else because we lose track of time because we just enjoy the peace of being in this place. Amen. And, and I relish that because that's what church should be. Church should be a place where we feel comfortable and we feel at peace to come into the presence of the Lord and to come into the presence of one another, right? Loving one another, admonishing one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another up for our day and for our weeks. A place of love and a place of compassion, a place of hugs. Bill, I've known Bill for a, a long time, but Bill came in. And I was like, man, we, we, he went to stick his hand out. I'm like, no, man, we hug here, right? We hug here because, man, we want to love you. We want to love you. We want to be engaged in your life, and we want, to, we, we want you to feel comfortable in that. Now, you might be sitting there going, oh, we're out because I don't hug, right? And I know there's some non-huggers out there in the world today and everything else, and if, if you're not a hugger, just say, whoa, stop, shake your hand is good, and everything else, and we'll respect that. We'll respect that. But, man, we want to we love you, and we want to be engaged in your life. And I think when we think about finding peace, that's the kind of peace we're searching for, Right? We look, around, we look around social media, we look around the world, we look around the things that are going on, and everyone is looking for peace, but they're looking in all the wrong places. They're doing all the wrong things. They're finding all of the wrong people, amen, with hopes that it will turn in to something that satisfi- satisfies and something that fulfills and something that brings them to where they ultimately want to be. And sadly, we're not embracing who Jesus is and what Jesus is, and we're not allowing his peace to make a difference in our life. Back in chapter 1, we're going to introduce this um, to you this morning. Back in chapter 1, Revelations 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed is he that readeth, and he that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. The time is at hand. And we've got we to know that. And that's not, a, that's not a scare you to death tactic. That's not a, uh, you know, that's not a play on, on your psyche or your emotion kind of thing. But, but the time is at hand. And, and we have to take Jesus serious and what Jesus has done for us serious and step into all that he has provided and all that he has offered to us in our life. In verse 4, he goes on and he says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace. And peace. And, that, and that's where this idea of finding peace comes from. How does Jesus address this? How does, as John is relaying to us what Jesus said to him in this moment, how is it addressed? How is that beginning undertaking to us? It is grace and peace, which means everything that follows, everything that is given, every part of the vision, every bit of the prophecy, every bit of what God delivers to us through Jesus Christ in this moment is about grace, right? The grace of God, right? The gift that we were given in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection from the cross of Calvary is ultimately intended to give us peace. Peace. Assurance. 
victory, hope, joy, all of the things that comprise the makeup of peace. And that is where we're called today, and that is, that is what we're meant to find. He goes on, and he says, from him which is and which was, and which is to come, meaning that from the very beginning, what does John tell us? John, John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus was there with God in the beginning. And so from the beginning of time, Jesus was present from the creation to the cross to the now with the hope and the promise of giving us peace. Peace. which is the coming from the seven spirits, which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. And to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, that hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so understanding that all of the intention was driven towards peace. It wasn't driven towards condemnation. It wasn't driven towards, towards finger pointing and backbiting and, and gnashing and, and, and all of this. And, and, and a lot of the church, we're going to address that in this, a lot of the church have lost their way with that mentality. Because that was never what God intended. But what we find is that God always intended through Jesus Christ was to give us peace. And to give us hope. And to give us victory. Amen. And many of us have sold our victory. Many of us have, have lost our, our passion. Many of us have, have missed the point of the gospel. And because of that, Jesus felt it imperative to, to reveal to John this prophecy about the seven churches. And so that brings us to chapter 2. And we're going to begin... In chapter 2, verse 1, under the angel. I, I love the fact that, that John doesn't really beat around the bush, right? You know, he doesn't, he doesn't just kind of say, well, and we're going to ta-da-da-da-da, kind of like I've done. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't give you that introduction and then, bam, hits you with it. He just, he just starts off, right, under the church at Ephesus, right? These things saith he, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Who remembers from last week what the seven stars are? The ministers, the ministers, the anointed of God that are to lead the church into the light. Amen. And it's important. We're going to hit the stars in a little bit more here in just a minute. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Seven golden candlesticks are the churches. Amen. The churches where God establishes his light. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Okay. So let's stop there for a second and, and, and break this down. John is talking to us about the light that is given to us in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, I'm no scientist, but of course, in my, in my study, I spent some time and I looked up a star. And a star is, is a ball of burning light, basically, right? And, you know, if you're super science-y, you might say, well, that's not exactly true. Okay, I'm paraphrasing, right? So bear with me here for a minute. Uh, a star is a ball of, of burning light that is constantly moving in the skies, 
right? It is constantly at work and moving in the skies. God has placed them where they are. And the important thing that we understand about stars and why we have constellations and all of those different things is because God has placed them all in order and they are functioning in the order that God gave them. And by functioning in the order of God gave them, they stay where they're supposed to stay as they move through the skies, right? Now, I, I don't know how something like that happens without the ordination of a holy God. Amen? To be constantly in motion, yet staying in the same place for the most part. Right? And, and so we see that when God refers to us uh, as seven stars, when God refers to the anointed ministers of the church as seven stars, there's supposed to be something that's absolute there. There's supposed to be something that doesn't waver there. There's supposed to be something that, that stays fixed on what it's supposed to do. It is to be in constant motion. Amen. What did, what did I tell you guys a few weeks ago? Amen. We need to quit praying for God to move because God's moving. We need to choose whether we're going to move with God or not. Amen. God is moving. God is at work. God is not sitting around twiddling his thumbs, waiting for the conditions to just be right. No, God has been moving from the beginning, and he's been looking for those that are willing to align themselves with him to be part of the movement. Amen. God is not going to be deterred by you or, or, or left to do his work alone. He will work and he will move according to his purpose in man's life. Amen? And so as a star, as the anointed of God, we are called to step into the light and allow that light to be the light of men. Amen? You remember that scripture from, from Matthew? Amen? A, a house that is set up on a hill shall shine its light to the whole house and all of the members, everybody will see. We are called into the light. Amen? This, this light of the seven stars, the ministers and anointed of the churches, and the churches shine the light of God's. Amen? What's that mean? It means we are in constant motion. We are in constant motion. We are constantly pursuing and seeking and finding the presence of God, and we are walking in it, and we are moving in it, and we are stepping into all that God has. Amen? And then by doing that, we shed light to the whole house, to all of the members, to our community, to our families, to our friends. We are showing the power and the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that is what we are called to as the church. So at Ephesus, he says here in verse 2, I know your works, I know your labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my namesake hast labored and hast not fainted. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good condemnation or uh, co commendation, right? He's commending them, right? I just can't say it well. He's commending them. You have done this right. You have, you have assumed this and become this, and, and I appreciate that, right? Your work has been great. You've worked hard. You've labored, and it's not in vain. You have, you have seen evil as evil is, and you have called it out 
and not allowed it to influence itself over what I'm doing. And I appreciate that. Amen? So, so what we have to understand as the church, GB, is, is he sees us. He sees us. He sees, he sees not only our work on workday, but he sees our efforts and our work on Sunday. He sees our work and our efforts on Mondays and on Thursdays and all the days that we come together in one way or another to represent him. He sees that, but also he sees the little conversations over here. He sees all the little, you know, texts that go on after service. You see, he sees us. He sees our works. He sees our labor. He sees our patience. He sees all of these things. But let us keep in mind, he sees us and he commends us, but he also, he also will line us up to his righteousness. In every way, shape, or form, he will line us up to his righteousness. Why? Not because, not because he cracks a whip at us, not because he's mean, not because, you know, he, he's, he's all about the rules and nothing else. We're going to find out here in a minute that's exactly the opposite of who Jesus is. Amen? But he, he aligns us to his righteousness because he wants us to have peace. And he wants us to have everything that he has come to provide us. And when we, when we sell that short, when we, when we choose to embrace worldliness and fleshliness and, 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 and selfishness, amen, we will never fully have peace because we're not aligned with the righteousness of God. We're, not, we're no longer in motion with God, right? Now, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about const, uh, um, constellations, but, but I remember as a kid being shown the three stars in a row as Orion's belt. All right, and so that, that's about the level of my sciency, okay? Um, so, uh, you know, up on the hill at our place, I can look up, and there's three stars, like, there's Orion! You know, and I can feel good about myself for a few seconds, right? But what if all of a sudden, one of the stars in Orion's belt all of a sudden said, you know what, I, I really don't like part, being part of this belt anymore. I really don't like this, this place I'm at anymore because, because I can't see what, what the Big Dipper sees. Or, or I can't have what, what the Little Dipper has. And, and maybe I want to be a little different. Maybe I want, maybe I want, maybe, maybe I want the God to, to, to do this instead. And it begins to move at its own place. And it begins to move in its own way. And it's no longer moving with God, but it's moving in self. And no longer part of the belt. And now all of a sudden we've messed up the heavens. We've messed up this anointed thing of God. You see, this is how God wants the churches to work. This is how God wants us to work within the churches. He wants us to work in the motion and movement of God and not in ourselves. Amen. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll lose sight of the goal and, and do just that. And, and we will fall short of what God is trying to do. It doesn't mean that we're all bad, right? Jesus Jesus just said, hey, you're this, you're this, you're this, you do this, you did this well, and everything else. But sometimes we get caught up in the things. We get caught up in the work. We get caught up in, in the do's, right? And, and we kind of forget about Jesus. And you see, that's, that's what the church at Ephesus did. And we're going we're gonna to dig into that here. 
Jesus says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. He looks at all of the good things they had done. He looks at all of the, the obedient things that they have done. And then he says, nevertheless, verse 4, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So we, we go from a, hey man, Jesus thinks we got it going on, to a, ooh, right? We, we step into that, that, ooh, ooh, ow. That hurts, Lord, right? And what is Jesus saying to them? He's saying, you, you've lost your first Love, you're, you're, you're working great. Your labor is great. Your effort is great. And, and you just keep going and going and going. And you never get tired. Man, I, I appreciate that. I respect that. I applaud that. But you've kind of forgot me along the way. You've kind of left me along the way. Sometimes, sometimes you, you share what you know, you share what you live up here because it's what you know the best. And, and repeatedly I've had people come to me and say, man, I don't know how you work full-time, pastor full-time, and, and do all of the things that you do and this and that and the other. You want to know how I do it? Because I love Jesus, man. I am passionate about him. I am passionate about who he is, and I am passionate about what he does, and I am passionate about the lives that he wants to touch and the lives he wants to change. I don't do it for me. I don't do it for my family. I don't do it for worldly gain, but I do it because I love Jesus Christ. I have not forgotten who he is, and I have for not forgotten the places where I was. I have, for not, I have not forgotten the gutters. I have not forgotten the drunkenness. I have not forgotten all of the things that had hold of my life when he called me and he said Jay I choose you and I fell in love I fell in love with a savior who changed my life and put me on a path different than any path I would have ever had back then and I stay in love with him today I choose him over my wife. I choose him over my kids. I choose him over that precious grandson I have. He is my all in all. I choose Jesus. I weep in prayer, calling out to him because I want to be close to him. I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. I weep for his presence. Amen? Because I... I know what it is to love him. And I don't want to lose that. And I don't want anything to get in my way of that. And there have been things and there have been people and there have been times in my life that I have had to completely walk away from to not lose my sight of who Jesus is and what he means to me. Amen? And I know many of you have too. But friends, we can't lose that love for Jesus. We can't, we can't lose that depth of desire for who he is. Amen? It, it warms me 
When, when I see you guys posting things that you were in your devotion and you were in prayer and you were in this time of, of seeking out God for your life and he reveals something to you and he says this to you and he speaks to you and he moves you this way and you come to me and you say, Jay, God's called me to do this or we need to think as a church about doing this, amen. And what do I always say? Yes, yes, amen. Because I am fine with the work. I am okay with the work. I believe that we should tire ourselves in the goodness of God for the goodness of the community and the goodness of the people. Amen. And if we're not, amen, I don't want those, those souls. Amen. I don't want the blood of that to be on my hands. Amen. Because I choose not to give myself fully over to a God that gave himself fully over for me. But... I don't ever want us to work so hard that we forget to love. That we forget to love him. We forget to love each other. And we forget to love the community. And, and friends, I, I don't think it's a mistake that, that Jesus chooses to, to address Ephesus first. Because, man, they were getting so many things right. But yet they got lost in the work and they got lost in the things and they got lost in the in the to do list and the tasks and they quit loving the Lord. Amen. They were doing all the right things. Amen. Jesus told us that they were they were doing all of the right things. They were going all of the right places. They, they were they were doing good stuff. But they were doing it without a passionate love for God. Amen. And when you are passionate for God over yourself, I, I promise you this. He is going to provide. He is going, he is going to, he's going to empower. And he is going to anoint you for all that it is you have to do. Amen. What does that mean, Jay? It means there will always be enough. There, it, there will always be enough. Amen. If, I, if I'm doing it out of passionate love for him, amen, there will always be enough. Amen. How many times have we seen in the Bible that someone gives the last that they have for the furtherance of the kingdom? The last that they have for the prophet or the last that they have for, for Jesus's ministry or the last that they have for the church. Amen. We, we, we read in the Bible, amen, uh, of people selling all that they have and giving it to start the early churches. And they went from living in their houses to living in tents in the middle of the wood to start churches. Why? Because they were passionately in love with Jesus Christ and his gospel. Amen. But this church at Ephesus had left that love. They had left that love. They had stepped away from the power and the glory of that love. And they were checking all of the boxes, man, but they weren't empowered and they weren't anointed and they weren't overcoming and they weren't turning back the things that they needed to turn them back because they weren't operating in passionate love for Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and what we find in that is we find ourselves called we find ourselves called to pursuing him in all of his righteousness. Amen? I can think of several examples in Scripture about this. I mean, we talked about Mary and Martha a few weeks. 
ago where Martha was more worried about the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches than she was about the teaching Jesus was doing in the living room. Amen? Ain't nothing wrong with a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Amen? Love me some PB&J. Right? But she was more worried about the work than she was the good thing of the presence of Jesus and, and loving him and seeking him and pursuing him. Amen? I'll tell you this. I'll say this. Amen? Now, I've already compelled you that if you feel led in the ministry that you should to do that, whether that's teaching kids or, or singing or, or, or working or painting or whatever, whatever that is, whatever gift that is that God's given you, I've already compelled you to that. So I'll say this too. Friend, listen, I want you doing that in love. I, I don't want you complaining and, and, and belly aching over it. Amen? I want you doing it in love and a desire to serve God through it, whatever it is. Amen? And I want you to step into all that is yours and to be that and to assume that because not because you, not because you want to be seen. Amen? Nothing irks me more about ministry than people in ministry because they want to be seen. Because they want to be elevated. Because they, because they want to be popular. Amen. Because they want money. Amen. Nothing frustrates me more than that. Amen. Because there's no light in those things. But what drives me and, and what excites me is that when some people just want to love Jesus and just want to love people because of all that God has done for them in ministry, that's when it starts to resonate. That's when it starts to matter. And that's when you see people doing the great work of God. Amen. I think of the great Billy Graham. All that he had accomplished. Everywhere he had spoke. All of the fame and all of the uh, notoriety. Amen. Could have, could have easily had a lot more money than, than what he had. Had he, you know, had he jumped into the, the, the marketing of his ministry. But all he cared was about standing up and telling people about Jesus Christ and all that he was. Still lived in the same simple house. Amen. Might have upgraded a thing here or there along the way. But he didn't need, he didn't need splendor. He didn't need glamour. He didn't need anything else. Amen. Why? Because he was in love with Jesus. And he just wanted to tell people about him. Amen. When we find ministry on that level, God will move on our life beyond our expectations. Amen. Beyond our expectations. But when we do it, but when we do it from a self and a, and a fleshly perspective, man, we, we struggle and, and we, we have a hard time understanding where God is moving. And what we find in Ephesus, Jesus says, is you've lost your first love. Now, I would ask the question, don't raise your hands or say anything this morning, but I would ask your question, how many of you love Jesus? Right? And I would imagine if I asked that question, just about everybody here would raise their hand and say, yeah, man, I love Jesus. Do you? Do you love Jesus? I mean, is, is your existence in, in church, is your existence in life pursuing and seeking this depth of love in the Savior? Amen? From starting your car in the morning to drinking your first cup of coffee? Or are you focused on how to love Jesus? Because you see, here's, here's what I think. I think we've had a lot of churches over the years, a lot like this church at Ephesus. 
to where we've convinced people, we've convinced young people, and I think there's a lot of teenagers and there's a lot of 20-somethings walking around today believing because they show up on Sunday morning, they're going to heaven and everything is okie-dokie. But they have never been invited to a life that passionately seeks and loves God. Because we've taught them that checking the boxes is okay. We have taught them that going through the motions is enough. We have shown them that coming to church and working is good enough. Amen? But Scripture takes that all away from us really quick. I am saved by grace through faith, not of, not of, not of, not of works. Works. What did, what, did, what did Jesus say to the church at Ephesus? I know your works. Your works are great. Your works are good. Your works nail it. Your works check the box. Your works are what I want and what I expect, but you have done it without love. You have done it without love. You have done it without a burning passion for me. And so it's not enough. I mean, Jesus didn't just say, fix this. Jesus says, repent of this. Fix it, or I will turn out your life. Right? Fix it, or I will turn out your life. Amen. What is, so what does that mean? It means we need to be merry at Jesus' feet. We need to find the good thing. We need to seek his presence. We need to cry from our depths for his presence in our life. And everything that we do, we do as unto the Lord. Amen? Pursuing him and seeking him in love in all ways. Amen? Not, not shaking hands when, when people come through the door and hugging them because that's what we're supposed to do. No, but because we care that you're here. We care that you're here and we care that you grab hold of Jesus Christ. And we care that Jesus Christ makes a difference in your life and makes a difference in your home and makes a difference in your workplace and makes a difference in this community. I don't hug you and I don't say I love you because I'm supposed to. I say it because there is a burning passion of Jesus Christ in me and I want you to burn with it too. I want you to burn with it too. Amen. I want you to see the drunkard and love him as much as Jesus loved me the night I poured the bottles out. I want you to see the drug addict and love them as much as God did when he formed them in their mother's womb. Honey, I want you to see your neighbor that might get on your nerves as God does and love him the way that God loves you. Amen. I want you to love Jesus so much that you pursue who he is and what he is and not just go through the motions of work and labor without any passion. Amen. We are called to love. Amen. For God so. For God so. Now, man, I want you to claim it. For God so loved. And if my life is to parallel his, if I am to walk in his spirit, if I am to be in his mind, if I am called to propitiate who I was and step into the newness of life, then I need to love too. I need to love too. And I got to love him first. 
I got to love him first, passionately. Amen? Not just, not just casually. Love you, Lord. Amen? Everything we do today is casual. Amen? Don't get me started. I could soapbox that for an hour. Amen? Everything we do today is casual. But so few of us burn with the fullness and the glory of God in our life. And that is, that is where we're called. We can check boxes all day long, but we are called to love him and to love those that he places before us. And this is where the church at Ephesus failed. This is where they failed. They, they succeeded in just about everything. Amen. And one of the scariest things in Scripture to me is when it says that in that day, many, what day? That day. In that day, many will say, Lord, Lord. And I will say, depart. And I will say, depart. Amen. And they will say, but I have healed in your name. I have prophesied in your name. I have done, and I'm paraphrasing now, I have done many great works in your name. And what does Jesus say? But I never knew you. You never sought me. You never wanted to be like me. Amen? And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to double down on what I said a minute ago. There are a lot of teens and a lot of 20-somethings in the church today who have never been taught the love of God. They don't do what they do because God loves them. They don't come because God loves them and because they love God and they seek Him and they want Him. They go because mom and dad and grandma and grandpa years ago taught them, just go to church, everything will be okay. Amen? Now, you used to get your kids in church. Amen? But as part of that process, we have got to teach them the love of God. And we have got to teach them to burn with that love of God. To pursue and to seek Him in all things first. Amen? Friend, if I'm not loving God, if I'm, if I'm not seeking His presence, if I'm not weeping at His feet and asking Him to do a work in my life, I am doing it all in vain. I'm doing it all in vain. Amen? I'm not pointing that finger at you all. I'm pointing that finger at me. If I, if I'm not, if I get up here every Sunday without weeping at the feet of Jesus... Because I want to I love like he does, and I want to see like he does, and I want to be, be so consumed and in love with him. And by, by so doing, be, be consumed and in love with all of you. Then I would fail you, and he would extinguish my star, and he would put out the candlestick. Church, we got to love. We got to love. And a lot of us think we love, but in reality, we don't. We're hateful, we're mean, we're grumpy, amen? People see, people see our countenance and want nothing to do with what we're doing, amen? I believe that all changes when we get on our face. When we get on our face and, and we humble ourselves and we pray and we ask God to take hold of our life, Amen? Truly ask God to take hold of our lives. You see, I was, I was that guy. I was Ephesus through and through. 
I could play church. I mean, it's embarrassing how much I played church and how I could play church, how I could look the part, play the part, and have everyone thinking I'm this, I'm this great 20-something, amen, and turn around and, 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 and leave and, and just dive into the world. It wasn't until I fell in love with Jesus Christ that it all changed for me. It wasn't until I wanted him to be the biggest part of my life that it all changed for me. It wasn't until I found myself weeping, Chris, for him and his forgiveness and his work and his provision for my life that it all changed for me. Amen? And I repented. I, I begged him to forgive me. I begged him to, to fix me. I begged him to overcome all of the things that had a hold of my life that I didn't want to have a hold of my life anymore. Because all I wanted from that moment forward was him. I fell in love with Jesus, after being in church almost my entire life, I fell in love with Jesus. I had one of my boys, I won't say which since they're both here, but I had one of my boys ask me one time, why so-and-so so grumpy all the time? And I said, well, number one, you should go ask them. Heck yeah, man, if you're going to come to church and and, and be grumpy and put a countenance in front of my kids that make them ask that question? Yeah, I want them to ask you. Yeah, I want you to give account for that. And everything, they probably don't even remember it. And actually, it's not the one in here. It's the one up there. And um, so, but, but he came up to me and he says, why is so-and-so so grumpy all of the time? And I said, well, it makes, makes you wonder how much in love with Jesus they are. And how deeply in love with everyone else they are because of their lack of love for Jesus. And my son just kind of looked at me and said, I don't think I'm going to ask him. <laughs> and I said, well, you want me to ask him for you? And they're like, no. Friend, Jesus gives us a serious warning here. He says in verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. He is speaking to a church that has done many great works. And he says, amen. So let, let's take, as, as the city on a hill, let's, let's, let's look at our lives. As, as a member of the church, the church, not this church, but as a member of the church, let's put this into context in our own life. Thou hast fallen and repent and do the first works. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I want you subject to me and I want you to fall in love with me more and more every day. 
I want you to seek me. I want you to pursue me. I want you to think I'm that hot young thing that you've got to chase with everything inside of you. No, he didn't say hot young thing in Scripture. I'm not reading a new translation or anything that you need to worry about, but I'm trying to put it in context for you that Jesus wants us to pursue him with everything inside of us. To pursue him with everything inside of us. And then do, then do his work. Amen. Y'all okay if I say funny things every now and then, right? Y'all thinking you're really not that funny. I'm getting some thumbs up from the back, right? But y'all, y'all are really thinking to yourself, you're really not that funny today. We're just laughing at you. Um, not with you, but at you. Amen. Verse 6 goes on to say this, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. A few weeks ago in another series, I shared, and we're probably going to refer back to this a lot because Jesus takes us back here repeatedly. I referred to the Garden of Eden and, and how in the middle of the Garden of Eden was a tree of life and all of the rivers that spread throughout Mesopotamia and Asia spread throughout Mesopotamia. And every, every one of those rivers, every place those rivers touched that flew from the tree of life of the garden flourished, Right? And if we take the description of the Garden of Eden and we parallel it to the scripture uh, later in Revelations about the tree of life there, it is an exact replica of one another. Amen? So what does that say to us? It says that from the beginning, Jesus has prepared a tree of life and the rivers that run from it, that if we will seek it and we will pursue it and we will engulf ourselves with, with it, that he will flourish us in all of the things of our lives. And we are simply called to seek him and pursue him. Adam and Eve were meant to commune with him and to spend time with him and to love one another. To love God and love each other. And the serpent comes along and dangles an apple and says, you can get all of that a whole lot easier just by eating this. And isn't that what the world does to us every day? Isn't that exactly what the world does to us? Even in the church. Even in the church. Isn't that what the world does to us every day? It dangles an easy way out. In front of us every single day. Amen. And if we're truthful. Every single day. Rather than seeking the glory of God. Rather than falling passionately in love. With God and, and his son Jesus Christ. And the spirit that he dwells upon us in. We keep taking the easy way out. We keep taking the easy way. And, and we go through the motions in the easy way and never really fall in love with who God is. And we leave our first love. Some of us, some of us, and, and this is going to sting, some of us never knew our first love because we were never taught the importance of our first love. We were just drugged to church, not taught anything, 
just went through the motions and we just started working like everybody else did. Amen. And never fell in love with Jesus Christ. Never fell in love with God. Yeah, and I hear I hear a lot of groans. And I hear a lot of ouches. Amen. And some of your, your spirit is like, I just want to choke him right now. Amen. What a call. What a call for Jesus to come to us and say, I need you to love me. I need you to love me. I need you to want me. I need you to starve for me. I need you to want all that I can. You want peace. I've got it. And, I, and it's abundant. And, and it will span everything in your life. I've got all you need. I've got all you want, but I need you to love me and I need you to want me and pursue me in your life. See, that was all he asked Adam and Eve to do, to spend time with him and to, to continuously fall in love over and over and over again with him. And in so doing, he promised them everything. Every animal will be subject to you. Every, everything good to eat will be at your hands. I will give you all that you need. But just seek me. And just love me. As I love you. And we're continuing to try to find that, that easy way out. And even that. And Jesus tells us, it's not good enough not good enough even today i need you to love me i need you to seek me i need you to want me and i'll pour everything out on you that i hold amen we went through all of that last week amen out of the second half of chapter one amen and it's out on youtube if you want to catch up on that if you're new with us this morning amen it's out on youtube but but jesus presented himself as everything. Amen. Carl, Carl sent me a text later in the day and everything else. And he said, you know, what was amazing uh, about that part of, of the message was everything else is we had always seen Jesus as the lamb. But here he showed us, he showed us himself as the lion. Amen. And all that comes with that. And it's all promised to us. It's all promised to us. Amen. It's all promised to us. He's just asking us. To fall in love again and again and again every day with him. And when we do, when we do, we will be complete as the church. Amen? I, you've, you've heard me say it again and again. We're going we're gonna to hopefully have this huge, this huge egg hunt. So bring your eggs. Fill them with candy and bring, bring your eggs in. We're going to have this huge hunt down here and the Winfield magazines promoting it and everything else and, and this and that. You know, it's funny. God... That they found their way to us. I didn't seek them out. They found their way to us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And, and so forth. So I really have no idea how many kids are going to show up that day. But you want to know what we're going to do? Amen. We're going to get on our knees and we're going to fall in love with Jesus. And by falling in love with Jesus, we are going to pour love into every life that walks on that football field. We're going to pour love into every single one of them. Amen. Whether they whether they make this their home church or whether they don't, they're going to know this church loves them and they're going to know that this church wants to make a difference in their life. And they're going to know that we are a safe place. 
that will bring the glory and the love of Jesus Christ to them every single day. Amen? Because that's what we're called to. Man, if I'm, if I'm going to parallel him and all that he is, and then we're going to do the works in the community, then I've got to do it through and by his love that he has brought into our lives. And I want, I want all of you, I want all of you to love him as much as I do. And I want him to love all of you as much as I do. Amen? I'm not playing games. Neither is he. Amen? Man, we've got, a, we've got a great opportunity. We've been blessed with so much. Amen? We've been blessed with so much. And, and God just seems to keep giving more. I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, but he just seems to keep giving more. Amen? Because you want to know why I think he gives so much more? It's because we love him so much. Amen? Do what you do in love. Let love be your first work. Amen? Love for God and love for man. Amen? For God so loved. Amen? And if, and if our life is drawn into his, then we should be able to say the same thing about each other. For Melissa, so loved. For Wally, so loved. For Scotty, so loved. And I and want to know, I could, name, I could go name by name here, but I won't take the time. That is love that he does. Amen? And if we don't, if we're not there, if we've, if we've lost that, then let's repent. Let's repent. And let's come together. And let's hold one another up. And let's light our fire back in the passion and the glory of who he is. Amen? Let's stand and sing this morning.